Hello and welcome to episode 25 of Booze, Booms and Busts. My name is Boaz Shoshan and I am joined as ever by Sam Volkering. Sam, I have been away from, uh, from the markets for a while, so you will have to uh, fill me in on the relevant details. I've not even been looking at Twitter too much over the last few days. Uh, I've just come back from Stockholm now, so I'm now back in sunny Aberdeen, self-isolating <laughs> here. Uh, but I do now have a, uh, I finally got my hands on a bottle of our very own quantitative ease to enjoy over this, uh, over this podcast in 25 episodes. Feels like quite a milestone, really. It doesn't feel like we've done 25, I don't think. Um, but how, how do you feel about it? It's it's a it's a milestone. It's a it's a quarter of, of a century. Um, we're we're on the way. We're we're almost mature podcast. Um, <laughs> we just need oh, we'll more people, more people to listen, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's uh, well. Hopefully, over time, I think these things uh, these these things have a compounding effect. Yeah. And uh, you know maybe uh, maybe we could make a something of a of a comparison here between uh, a lack of uh, a lack of listeners or well not not a lack I mean, it's not oh, like we still we still got we still got fear <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's not it's not nobody but uh, you know just like uh, with these tech companies that have a, a lack of cash flows for a very long time or at least positive cash flows for a very long time uh, and yet it compounds over time they end up with massive multi billion dollar valuations so. Maybe this is really just the, the slow compounding haul before we get to uh, before we get to glory and fame, as of okay. course we we both expected from this venture. Yeah, I, I like to think of where we are now is like you know the the first year the founders of Airbnb started actually uh, sleeping on someone else's couch. Right. Yeah. So yeah, tell me about this. So I've not been. I've just seen briefly. Uh, the Airbnb founders' <laughs> eyebrows arching uh, on live TV as he is informed of just how valuable his company uh, is being uh, being you know priced at. Yeah, tell me what's actually been going on with this because I've been out of the loop. Right. So I mean, this has got to be the most anticipated IPO I've probably ever seen, and I mean this in so many different ways. Uh, like I remember a decade ago when companies used to IPO and you kind of got a bit of news about it on the day that they went to an IPO because you know, the average investor doesn't get a sniff uh, near most of these IPOs. Anyway, for about the last two weeks, I've been getting emails that have been directed to my spam inbox emails from my uh, online brokers emails from uh, stock trading apps, push notifications about the Airbnb IPO. This sucker has been hyped so much uh, and it's now absolutely friggin' flying on its IPO day. So they priced, they initially priced the IPO uh, at 68, around I think it was $68. Um, and I think that that even that even got knocked up a bit more to uh, I think it was it was close to ninety or something at one point. But anyway, it was about sixty eight, I think, with the IPO. Uh, and in trading, in early trading, man, it's up one hundred and twenty two percent to one hundred and fifty dollars. That gives it a, a market capitalization of one hundred and five, almost one hundred and six billion dollars. Like the last valuation. Uh, that Airbnb had, um, I think was it something like 
16 billion dollars or something like that i mean damn this is <laughs> i i've not quite a uh, and, and and so get this right what, what i'm this is this is baffling as i'm just watching this just absolutely bemused at who would pay 150 dollars for airbnb stock right now um they laid off a whole bunch of people recently they've 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 been been losing even more money and seeing numbers dwindle um but that's not what the market sees Uh, this is astonishing and this is i will add this is just um was a day after the doordash ipo went live as well and it was up i think a hundred what, what was it? it's i think it, it it ended up trading on wednesday at like 187 dollars um whereas its ipo was priced in at oh, what was it i think it was about uh, it was it was it was like half that um again so doordash now carries a valuation of about 67 billion dollars this is for a company that makes no friggin' money this, this is just a giant loss-generating machine in a highly competitive space. Um, and I look, I get, uh, I no, I don't get this. I don't get it at all. I don't get who in their right mind would be would be buying DoorDash or Airbnb. I thought Tesla was in a massive valuation bubble, but what happened to DoorDash yesterday and what's happening to Airbnb now makes Tesla look like uh, like Microsoft or something like that. I mean. The, the, the boring compared to these two the, the, it is pure unadulterated uh, a speculation bubble in the in the new york in the new york stock exchange in the american markets right now and i this that this is just setting up for some some tears i have no doubt about it now uh, you know i mean we haven't we have seen a lot of companies where making money hasn't been at the forefront of investors' minds uh, in recent years. So, I mean, does this deviate that much from the trend? Uh, or is it just the sheer level to which its valuation has blossomed overnight that's making this, uh, that's astounding you quite so much? Um, you're right in terms of it's probably not deviated that much from what we've seen uh, in this space. You know, there are a whole bunch of companies that have hit the market this year off the back. Uh, and mind you, in the midst of one of the weirdest global crises, if you want to call it that, uh, that we've seen for some time. And they've all just gone bang, 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 bang uh, on the market. And I don't necessarily have a problem with speculation on the future growth potential of companies. That's not what I'm saying. I, I Airbnb has a market, but the valuations are like... <laughs> at 107 billion dollars and if you're buying stock in airbnb at 150 bucks what's the upside there from 107 or whatever i'd said before for 100 odd billion dollars where's the upside like I, how long you'd have to own that stock but but then again maybe it's like the tesla maybe it is just people looking for another tesla type run where it doesn't matter about financials it doesn't matter about how much you sell or what you sell it just matters that you've got a name that everyone knows uh, and that you're just something new for them to, to, to throw money at. I mean, people have accused Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies of being a, uh, a better fool 
or bigger fool um, phenomenon where you're just selling to a bigger fool. If that's the case, then the, the fucking stock market is doing exactly the same thing. And so anybody that says Bitcoin is a piece of shit is effectively saying that stock market's a piece of shit as well, which I doubt most people are saying both are. Um, so yeah, this is, this is off the chart. Like again, Palantir is another one. You know, the Palantir is the, the weird secretive uh, data company. Uh, they, they IPO'd in September and, and they're up like some ridiculous amount as well. It's, it's like they're over like 200% or 150% up from where they IPO'd at too. Snowflake is another one. Oh man, this is blowing me away what's happening at the moment. I've never seen anything like it. Well, put it this way. I've never seen anything like it that doesn't end in a massive correction or crash from these sorts of numbers. It's interesting. The um, it's interesting. Airbnb. That one is an interesting. The um, you know the effectively the hotel company without any hotels. Just as Uber is the taxi company without any taxis, right? Um, you know, with Uber, you know, there are still people saying that. Uh, you know, that it's uh, <laughs> Uber, you know, doesn't make any money. It loves to burn cash. And, uh, you know, it's effectively it all, why it really exists in its from the get go is as a money laundering vehicle <laughs> for Saudi <laughs> Arabia. You know, you get all these theories of how, why it is that, you know, the, these companies can attract funds in the, in, in the way that they can. Uh, Airbnb, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised, Sam. I mean, there is, uh, you know, just considering how little positive cash flow means now for these tech companies when it comes to investors buying the stock, uh, you know, it it doesn't surprise me that this has happened, though I think the degree of that valuation is is really quite something. Um, Broadly speaking, Uber, when it IPO'd, it was really a big disappointment. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I must say, I mean, I've, uh, <laughs> you know, I've been using Airbnb when I was in Stockholm. I have been very, very pleased with the service though. I'm not quite sure it justifies, uh, you know, a valuation that probably allows it to be higher than the GDP of a few countries. Um, yeah, it's quite a, quite a story. What do you, like when you say you think it's all going to end in tears? Yeah. Yeah, how do you think this? How do you think that this might unravel? Um, uh, the, 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 these companies, Uber, Airbnb, um, Lyft, DoorDash, Zoom, uh, I, the, 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 the valuations of these companies are not. Uh, they're not reflective of of even a, even a growth premium on what the underlying company would be worth. I just see them being worth significantly less. And so I'm talking about, you know, Uber maybe being worth 20 billion, uh, you know, so at at a hundred billion, that's knocking 80, you know, 80% off the value of some of these stocks. Um, And, and, and that's what I see. I, you know, I see the companies like all of them, you know, in, in store for a haircut, um, of, the, of that sort of magnitude, you know, cutting the, yeah, yeah. the values in half to 80% to even more, that still makes them extremely, incredibly value, valuable companies. 
which there is there is some there is genuine value to some of them just not these levels and i think you know, i think what it's doing as well is that it's bringing in a lot of uh investors in in a sense a lot like the way that the 2017 crypto uh boom and bust played out i think that this what's happening right now yeah, with everything that's gone on this year we didn't we know the increase in retail investors into the markets in not just um common stock you know investing and trading but in derivatives as well i have no doubt there's probably an element of that to it as well and and i just think that it's it, there's going to be a lot of money lost by a lot of people that are probably new to this space that are investing in these companies that they know because they're just pumped so hard uh, in mainstream financial press and in social media. And, uh, and that when we, when we actually, when it all sort of clears out that there's going to be a lot of value eroded from that. When you're talking about the uh, the potential upside that's available when the company's getting a hundred and twenty billion dollar valuation, you know, and the um, and what the investor is genuinely wanting to or genuinely expecting out of their investment when they buy the stock at uh, such an already uh, you know uh, 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 a highly accelerated valuation, shall we say? Uh, I'm sort of reminded a bit by Masayoshi. Masayoshi son uh, over at SoftBank, yeah. uh, who's, uh, who's always going to the founders and the CEOs of these tech companies and saying, um, you know, we, we could invest in your firm, but you need, to dr- you need to dream a lot bigger, right? You need, to, you need to, this could be conquering the world stuff, but you, know, you need to have that kind of mindset before yeah, you know, we invest in you. And that's uh, something that he supposedly said to, I believe it was Adam Neumann of WeWork in a, in a taxi, I think in New York or something. It was just like, you know, you've got a great plan, but you, I think you, this could be, you know, world changing. And obviously Neumann took that very much on board uh, and used it to almost get away with an IPO of, mm-hmm. of WeWork that was at a very high valuation, though arguably not as high, well, well, in reality, not as high as this uh, this Airbnb valuation that uh, has been has been acquired now. Um, I wonder. It seems like Masayoshi Son, you know, his his perpetual hyper optimism, you know, this incredibly bullish uh, <laughs> fervor that he's got. I mean, I, I guess there's just a lot of Masayoshi Sons out there, right? There's a lot of people feeling that that animal spirit that uh you know dream bigger you know you could call it the triumph of optimism perhaps that so many people are willing to invest their money uh, at such a, an elevated premium in the belief of uh, future growth on on the back of it um but yeah it does seem it does seem quite if the founder himself is getting very much surprised by this <laughs> It, you know that does because considering the the amount of conversation he will have had with the Wall Street banks that are helping him go public, uh, and they're they're listening to the market and knowing what's uh, going to happen, it is interesting that he is surprised by just how much uh, his stock has gone up. Um, but Sam, before we continue, uh, I'm drinking quantitative ease right now, uh, made by brewed by Cheddar Ales, uh, the first of our our little um, you know ventures together. Uh, and I must say, I am very, I'm very impressed with it. You know, in our last, um, in our last podcast, uh, you just said you said you were going to hold back on giving it a rating, 
Uh, and I think I'm going to hold back on giving it a rating as well. It does feel a bit too much like we'd be marking our own homework here if we were to rate uh, quantitative ease. Uh, so we would encourage anybody who's listening to this to give it their rating and we'll take it on board. It shall be available on the, uh, the Monday after this, goes, uh, this podcast goes live and it'll be found on the Cheddar Ales website there. So uh, do give it a drink if you're interested. Uh, and, uh, but I must say, uh, you know, even though this is something that uh, I was, I was uh, you know, in part uh, behind, uh, it does taste very good. Uh, it is incredibly hoppy. Uh, it doesn't taste its strength either. And um, yeah, it's, it goes down like a treat. Uh, it, it's so hoppy that it, it's got its own sort of bitterness in the aftertaste, which is, uh, which is very nice. Sam, what are you drinking this evening? Uh, yes, so the first one I've got on here today is the Soundwave IPA from the Siren uh, Craft Brew Co. We've had some Siren, I think, in here before. Um, I've not had the Soundwave IPA, but it's 5.6%. Um, yeah, Indie Pale Ale, it's, it's a very... I've actually almost finished it, to be fair, after my little rant about some of these... Uh, some of these uh, former unicorns that are now, I mean, what are you, ubercorns? Do we call them ubercorns? Megacorns? Um, yeah, nonetheless, maybe, um, like, <laughs> yes. Oh, well, no. Maybe we need to find another mythical creature. Uh, this could be quite fun, actually. Yeah, well, maybe, hopefully by the end of it, we'll come up with a new mythical creature for uh, when a unicorn, tech unicorn, becomes a $100 billion company on their IPO day. Um, but yeah, the Siren, Siren Soundwave IPA. Um, nice, nice little fruity drop here. I'm very much enjoying it. And almost, as I said, almost finishing it. But um, I mean, I, I'm just, I was having, while you were having a discussion about the um, uh, quantitative ease, um, which again, we're not going to review. It, it's, it's like, uh, it's like uh, reviewing your own child. Um, which is, is probably <laughs> frowned upon. Um, so we will leave that up to to listeners and people who buy it uh, to to send us in their views and ratings. Um, but so like I was looking on Crunchbase at some of the um, you know previous funding rounds. So like you know Airbnb for example had done Series F funding back in 2017, uh, a bit of debt Damn. financing for a couple of billion earlier this year. Um, and earlier this year, the, there was a, by a post money valuation sort of range given of, a, of about $10 billion as of April, 2020. Um, so they've basically 10 X from there. And, and, you know, some of the investor names that we'll all be familiar with, uh, JP Morgan, um, Oak tree capital, um, you know, these are the kinds of companies and, and, and funds and VCs that, uh, they get first dibs on these, uh, on companies like Airbnb, and uh, they will have made an absolute killing out of this <laughs> on IPO day. And if you want to know who's who's selling all the stock, it's it's those guys. They they will have had a massive market built up for this. I mean, the, I'm looking at the volume as well right now. We're talking about volume in excess of 42 and a half million shares at about 150 bucks taking place so you know we're, we're up in in around the six billion dollars worth of airbnb stock traded um in just the few short hours that it's actually been live uh it's astonishing the 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 money that is flowing around here and i think this comes back to the point we've talked about before about asset price inflation um which is it seems to this year have just been kicked up like 4,000 notches. Yeah. Uh, it is interesting that 
um, just how that on the Wall Street side we're taking it public. I wonder if there was a, a green shoe option, you know, uh, embedded into the IPO that would allow the uh, uh, the banks that are taking the company public uh, to issue more shares to sell more shares than they are than you know is uh, already agreed upon in the float due to high demand. Uh, that would be I'd be interested to know that because that can that can further uh, you know they can take more shares public so more of the company becomes public as a result uh, but more capital is thus raised and I would imagine that if there were such an option you know they'd be able considering it's managed to double in value already uh, you know they'd be able to shift a lot more stock um, that is uh, yeah so tell me about uh, a bit well maybe actually with uh, on the unicorn side maybe leprechaun would actually fit because it almost rhymes <laughs> with unicorn it's got the pot of gold at the end though no doubt somebody will be offended by this or, or something like that but maybe a leprechaun though you know you could do i don't know dragon they've always got the you know the the treasure hoard maybe smaug and you know you can have a, a stock market smaug um <laughs> Uh, there are many possibilities with this, but it does seem like we're going to need a, uh, I think we've discussed this actually on a previous podcast, in fact. You know, we do need a better word than unicorn for a I tech like company. Leprechaun, that reaches, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's got it, a similar, it's got a similar uh, pronunciation to it, albeit spelt very differently. But there's mm -hmm. the, the thing about the leprechaun that I like with uh, these, these former unicorns now being worth like a hundred billion dollars around their IPO uh is uh is is the element of mischief uh, that the leprechaun brings <laughs> which i kind of like that yeah i i think yeah i think leprechaun fits the bill um it does it does but i think you know we do need a better word than unicorn i mean the whole reason they they were called unicorns was because they were rare you know a tech company from a small startup gets a bit a 1 billion dollar valuation that was what a unicorn was and here we are, and we've got a tech startup, you know, and there are hundreds of unicorns out there. So they're not rare at all. You can, they're all over the place. They're all over magazines and print media, right? You, it's not hard to see one. Uh, you know, you can go and stay, you can go and stay a while in one of them in a foreign country and you'll be just fine. You can give them money when you're taking a taxi, you know, the, the, they're not rare. They're not unicorns. The, 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 the name does not fit the description. There does need to be a better one. Uh, but yeah, I think Leprechaun does fit that, uh, a Leprechaun. Um, you know, when you talk about the most hyped IPO of all time, I mean, I would, I would still be on the side of Saudi Aramco just because you get all of the, uh, yeah, uh, the political true. side of it. And within Saudi Arabia, it was meant to have been shilled very, very hard with getting in on that IPO. Sadly, uh, I think you need still to be in a Gulf Cooperation Council country in order to invest because they didn't take uh, Aramco Public on, in London, though maybe they will in the future. Um, but sad, sadly, alas, it is not to be, uh, because Aramco, you know, I, I still think it's a great stock because they're doing, um, you know, they're, they'll they'll do anything they can to maintain its dividends that they originally gave. So the the company's taking on more debt and you know at tiny yields, uh, you know, just abysmal yields in order to be able to keep paying their dividends. So they're very very committed to satisfying their shareholders, which makes and it seem the, like the oil prices has been creeping up slowly as well, which yep, uh, yep. certainly wouldn't hurt them. Mm. Yeah, quite. Uh, next year, well, depending on how how everything reopens, uh, and if airlines aren't just utterly demolished, then um, <laughs> you know, imagine that. 
people driving around and consuming more oil would be uh, quite positive for, for the oil price, especially when you consider the amount of um, oil companies that have really had to uh, close down wells uh, during the brutal 2020, because shutting down a well is not something that can be done cheaply or quickly, uh, and it can't be reopened easily, right? There, it's you know pulling oil out of the ground is one thing, incredibly costly exercise, uh, but it actually costs a lot to stop it from flowing as well, and a lot of you know a lot of places have done that um, during this during this uh, the, this 2020 period. So if uh, demand really does return with a vengeance uh, in 2021, then you can you I would imagine that there would be really quite uh, some there be quite the, there is the possibility of um, non-linear price action. You know, some really uh, some really aggressive up upticks in the oil price. But you know, I say that as an Aberdonian, so I have to be an oil, an oil bull, <laughs> of course. Uh, you know, just to just to help my hometown. But you know, it will be it will be very interesting to see that. Uh, though it, I imagine the Saudi Aramco IPO, well, taking it, you know a listing in London is probably not really on the cards these days, uh, sadly. I'm um, I'm trying to think uh, and recall a, a period like so. You know, you mentioned the uh, we talk about hyped IPOs outside of Saudi Aramco, which like to you and me that that's a you know that's a, that that is a, that is a hyped IPO. It's a, it's a it's a common uh, name to us. You know, it's 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 been around and and people know have known about it at least in financial circles for a long time. But I feel like it's a kind of company that the average punter probably doesn't know about right and i'm trying yeah, to think yeah, that's fair enough that's fair enough yeah yeah so i'm trying to think and i for the life of me I, and maybe you know you'll be able to make some suggestions here uh, going back you know 10 years 15 years 20 years even um i'm trying to think of other ipos that have captivated investors retail investors as much as what we've seen in the last few years with the likes of, of, like I say, Uber, Lyft, uh, Slack. Um, and then obviously more recently, you know, it's like it, we, I, we say snowflake, but snowflake is, it's like, it's known by everyone under the age of 30 and no one else above it. Um, uh, and then obviously with Airbnb and, and DoorDash, I mean, can you think of anything else that's attracted quite the level of excitement? Yeah that we've seen in the last couple of years with IPOs? Yeah, that's, it's a good question. I am a, you know, I'm still a relatively young fella. So sadly, I don't have the benefit of, uh, of having been, um, <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> very grown up at the time of the dot-com <laughs> boom. Um, and there are many tales, uh, as of course, plenty of our listeners will know. Uh, and which, of course, yourself will know, as you're, as you're an older gentleman than I, uh, of the kind of manias that were uh, apparent there that you know just all like from the beginning of the 90s but that you know which really really heated up uh, in the late 90s which i really wish i had been alive to see uh, however and on more recent stuff um well and, and just to say i reckon during dot-com boom there would have been a similar fervor about uh, getting by owning owning stocks in uh, the western mm. world you know in the uk and, and in america and in Western Europe as well. I think when it comes to uh, the, more recently, I would give you kind of a, it's kind of a fake answer, right? It's kind of an ersatz answer because it wasn't an actual IPO, 
right? Uh, but I would actually say, and we've discussed it on the podcast before, I would say BrewDog uh, has been incredibly good at getting retail investors and just retail in general, you know, mm. although we don't like using the word retail, but just the everyman. Yeah. Um, they've been great at getting the everyman to buy equity in their, in their company. But it's, it, this is a fake answer. It's a cheat answer because... <laughs> Uh, it's not an actual IPO, right? There, oh, yeah. there was not an initial public offering. Effectively, oh, yeah. if you own BrewDog stock, as I do, um, and uh, though not as though not as a value investor, I would add, um, <laughs> I, you know, if you own BrewDog stock, you effectively own some private equity. But just in terms of being able to get the everyman to do it, you know, there's bloody flyers in it like every BrewDog bar saying yeah. uh you know you need to invest in uh, you know what was it like equity for punks or equity something. for punks i think didn't and, they just complete another 10 million with their latest round and 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 it's basically open-ended i think isn't it for or for a period of time at least i'm not actually i don't even know i'm not even up to it but I'm, I'm not surprised at all that they're very good at being able to sort of continue this thing from carrying on but it still is private equity but you'll find that there are some people who really bought into it like big time uh and who've invested loads of money um even though we you know even though they're not sort of your average stock market investor uh but you know they they really buy the brand they're really really into it uh, and the the brand has done incredibly well in getting uh, you know, in reaching out to all of their customers to buy stock in the business uh, through just through the bars, right? Uh, that would be as close as I could get. But I really do think during the dot-com boom, the likes of, you know, uh, Google, Amazon, but probably, you know, the um, some of the internet sort of infrastructure businesses and stuff, uh, those would have had a similar level of hype. But that is before my time. So I really, I really can't, uh, you know, I really can't contribute. Yeah, so uh, uh, the, the the ones that spring to mind that were hotly anticipated and I think maybe have also shaped some of what's happened with these IPOs. So Google was IPO'd after the dot-com bubble had burst and uh, Facebook as well. But Google and Facebook are two that spring to mind uh, in terms of some of the most anticipated uh, IPOs of I guess of the 21st century Netflix. I wouldn't, you know, you know what? I wouldn't even say Netflix IPO was particularly hyped. Uh, again, it, it was early sort of two thousands and they weren't really doing anything that they do. Um, Tesla's IPO maybe, but again, I don't feel like that was particularly hyped at this at this kind of um, fervor and, and and excitement and hype <laughs> facebook for sure i think that's probably the the, the most relative one um that that's come after the turn uh, uh, you know of the 2000s um but not not at this scale but i think that what what something like facebook and google have done uh is because they've been so successful post ipo um, is that they've almost maybe lulled <laughs> investors that are that are buying into the likes of Airbnb and Uber and um, Lyft and all of that. Uh, they've lulled them into a sense, false sense of security that that you can turn these companies into these uh, giants, these 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 domineering domination companies of 
of technology. But in reality, you know, there's only a handful of companies that that sit in those upper echelons and and justify being even close to it. I've still got issues with the valuations on some of those big companies that you know sit up close to a trillion dollars and over a trillion dollars. Um, but at least they're profitable, um, and at least they're going to continue to be profitable. So the the problem I've got with the likes of DoorDash and Airbnb is that there's a good chance that they're not going to be profitable. Um, for a very, very, very long time. We, uh, we encounter yeah. the problem that one, now that we have seen this year, the likes of bankrupt companies, like literally bankrupt companies like Hertz, um, yeah. Yeah. see incredible stock price gains during that period. Uh, now that that precedent has been set, it is hard to use it becomes hard to use the objection that the company doesn't make money as a reason not to buy the share, right? I mean, it, it's, yeah, look, uh, you know, I, I was going to say, carry on, sorry. companies don't have to necessarily be making money when you buy their stock, but they've got to at least have, at least in my view, I think they've got to at least be, be able to demonstrate that they're moving in the right direction. Uh, or that they've got the potential even to be hugely profitable. And look, I, I mean, I, it, it's, it's, it's somewhat contradictory, but not really, because, you know, I'm all about buying great stocks, growth stocks with huge potential that don't, you know, and buying them when they're not necessarily profitable, but at least they're on the right path to it. Um, but then at the same time, you know, you can have a company like Tesla that's not really profitable, has never turned an annual profit at least, uh, and people will just keep buying it on the anticipation that it's going to be the world's biggest car company one day. Yeah, I mean, that's like buying. It's I suppose it's a bit like a rookie draft or something in like the NBA or, or something. You know, you're 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 you, you know if you got first pick you're getting the guy that you've hoped's got the most potential to be the next Jordan or uh, Zeon or, or, or Kobe or whatever, right? You, the Whether or not they actually achieve that greatness comes down to so many factors. Many of them never do, but it feels like investors are just hoping that at least something on the dartboard's going to stick um, and that they're going to throw everything at anything that even comes near to, you know, to, to being new in an opportunity. Yeah, I was going to say as another cheat answer, by the way, uh, when it comes to the most hyped IPO, as another fake answer, uh, which breaks the rules, I would have said Tesla, not for their initial IPO, uh, but for the share dilutions which have taken place during that period. So effectively, yeah. more shares are being created, uh, and they have managed to, uh, you know, and the dilution has achieved massive popularity massive demand you know it was uh, it wasn't it was you know just earlier this year that uh, elon musk diluted uh, in fact i think he's done even more than once this year uh, where he's diluted uh, the number of shares in the company uh, and we've seen the price rally spectacularly afterwards so in fact it's almost like another ipo it's almost like everything's you know it's, it's all setting off again the the proposition of raising money mm. uh, is being seen as an incredibly bullish development for the company. 
So um, it'd be, you know, almost like, I mean, you know, there are many way, many metaphors you could use, but it's almost like, you know, getting a second mortgage on your house uh, means that you're, that you've got a brighter future, right? Um, <laughs> I, so I, I would give that Tesla, I would give Tesla as, you know, a sort of second cheat answer. I, I seem, un, I feel unable to be able to give a proper answer to this, uh, this question. Uh, I, you know, there's something you said earlier with um, talking about asset price inflation. Um, I believe, um, well, I can't remember, actually, I can't actually remember the, the, the original source of it. But just when it comes to, it's been very easily, it's very easy to say uh, that central banks have created asset price inflation um, over time. And, you know, just ever since the QE began, we had low rates. Uh, following the financial crisis, though they were already getting lower and lower, but even beforehand. And it, it's been easy to say that central banks have engineered stock price inflation because all of this money is just going straight into the financial system and it's not um, reaching the real economy. Now, that's been hard. As you know, it's been hard to say that that's what's been, that it's actually inflationary, all the central bank money printing because we haven't seen uh, the costs of everything when it comes to the real world rise significantly, you know, really substantially as a, as a result of it. You know, certain things have gone up and we've got the shrinkflation uh, phenomenon going on as well. However, the, when it comes to real, you know, the price of milk, the price of bread rising significantly uh, as a result of this, you know, the price of oil as well, We've, we've not seen that so much. And that's been, you know, it's a common refrain, which I've, uh, which I myself have, you know, used in the past. Um, but there's something where it, uh, it was just a way somebody delivered, you know, their comment on asset price inflation, which actually kind of gave this idea new life to me recently, mm. which was just that your money, if you're wanting to buy financial assets, your money, you, like that is your, your money has been devalued. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But, but only if you're buying the financial assets effectively, right? So it's like there's a different exchange rate. Yeah, there's uh, the cost of financial assets. And, you know, the Airbnb IPO is a great example of this, I think. You know, the, your money is not worth anything like what it is in the real world if you're trying to buy these things, which the market is valuing incredibly highly, which the market cherishes, treasures. Uh, beyond so many other things that are, are useful in the real world, right? You know, oil companies and the like. You know, the, the cost of these businesses um, is, so, is so high that, you know, your money has been devalued if, you, if you're trying to buy them. You know, you, you may, it may as well be devalued, or maybe it actually ha is devalued, right? You know, your, your mm. cash literally has been, uh, you're being shortchanged by central banks when it comes to, you know, trying to buy financial assets. Um, and, it, it, and as that, that has gone into overdrive this year, it does seem to rhyme quite well that all of these, um, all these businesses that this year when, you know, all the tech IPOs in general were, have actually kind of been dogs. I mean, Uber, when it first IPO'd, was not a massive IPO success. And yet now here we are uh, during this period where no one can do anything. And the, you know, the uh, Lyft was a similar debacle. But, you know, this year when uh, no one can do anything, right? We can't even use these damn services unless like you're, you're going to Sweden like me or something. You know, you can't, these businesses are, are less viable now 
now that we've got lockdowns. And yet they are, they are, they are so much more highly valued when you look at them in price terms. And it well, does so seem like to run. Uber's, well, a good Uber's a good example. So Uber, Uber was trading below its IPO price pretty much for the last year and a half. Yeah. Uh, and in the last, so since, since the start of November, it's up like about more than 50%. Now that's interesting considering that they've sold off two of their future growth opportunities in their self-driving car uh, developments and their autonomous flying taxis. They've sold off both of those divisions and increased in value by 50%. So while Uber's shrinking from a business perspective, their valuations increasing because the market thinks that them selling off two of their growth opportunities makes them a more valuable business. You could say that the, the market is valuing them more because they've shifted some dead weight because the market didn't believe that those divisions had uh, promise and were, were you know, just sinkholes for capital. But no, I, I, uh, I, but broadly, you know, I agree with that. Uh, it, it, just this idea that uh, your money is losing, like your money is is being devalued. Yeah, uh, I like that's to some an degree. Thought. Yeah, but uh, but it, it is when you look at these companies, like your money really is losing value. You can't buy them uh, unless, unless you really pony up uh, on the day to order Airbnb stock at double the value. That it you know, was um, you know what's an interesting thought exercise on that, which is while you've been talking about it, it's sort of been running through my mind is the idea that these stocks like imagine these 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 stocks as as currencies every one of them effectively their own type of currency and that like you said you said before something interesting about it's like an ex, like an, a weird exchange rate that between your your money and these stocks and that you are your you're effectively you've you, you your money's devalued at the price you've got to pay for some of these stocks and it'd, it'd be like you know, if Airbnb was a country, um, it, it'd be going through hyperinflation or, or is it the other way around? I'm not sure, but <laughs> yeah, we'd be the ones getting hyperinflated. Yeah, we'd be hyperinflated trying to buy Airbnb. Um, it, it's, it's an interesting, it's interesting to think about it like in that, like imagine if you could, if you could spend your stocks as money, um, then, then we are, we are, you know, the money that we have is being devalued, but at the same time, it's like exchanging to a currency that's your own currency but it's like a it's like a weird mutation of your own currency uh, so you're you're still buying your own value but you're devaluing yourself <laughs> by simply making that move it's like this weird yeah, or, cycle of money in into equities and out of equities that continuously devalues anything that's not in the equities space though of course this is occurring in a way uh, in this idea that is not that you are not consenting to, right? Your your yeah. purchasing power is being destroyed actively by these uh, by by these operations by central banks to jam more money into the financial system in order to keep it going. But the thing where this actually ties back to a conversation we had uh, quite a few episodes ago, uh, where uh, we were talking about how the you know the Fang stocks broadly have become so highly valued and managed to sustain their values for so long that I was beginning to entertain the idea 
the 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 shares were becoming a form of reserve asset right mm. now and you know i joked and though well half seriously with you at the time that the very fact that i was beginning to entertain this idea is a contrarian indicator that they're about to just go you know <laughs> utterly bankrupt like these these companies are about to go completely bust the shares are worth nothing now, the idea that you would that the, these shares are turning into bonds you know these shares are turning into uh, you know reserve assets treated almost like currencies for major institutions uh, the very idea i'm thinking of this that you know a tech stock you know a silicon valley a google an apple is turning into something like a sovereign credit it, it's ridiculous right it's uh, it is to it, a point it, 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 I, I don't think you're necessarily too far off the mark when it comes to companies like Apple and Amazon because of their establishment in, uh, I guess, in, in, in where consumer money flows. Amazon, sure, but then you could Amazon, say that about, you, you could say that about like major oil companies and yet they are not achieving that valuation by any level, right? They are getting- They used oil. to though. So maybe it's a secular, uh, uh, cyclical thing in terms of maybe maybe the the oil companies were that reserve for effectively a hundred years in the in the nineteen hundreds, and maybe it is big tech that does that for the best part of this next century, uh, and from there it's another you know big chunk of of companies that forms that sort of reserve stability. Yeah, maybe, maybe that. Yeah, the the sort of reserve asset idea is it can it it can it is compelling, but just the just the fact that you know the i this idea seems to me <laughs> that <laughs> shares in businesses get that kind <laughs> shares in tech businesses <laughs> very <laughs> very high valuations <laughs> gets that uh, you know get gets that it seems it is absurd. Like I I would not trust that call from me at all. Um, no. but you know, it, I think it's, it's a signal of kind of where we're at. Well, I mean, when if we go into a depression, uh, you know, Apple's, Apple's taken a massive haircut. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. No one's buying thousand pound phones, uh, in a depression. Well, let's see, this is the kind of, this is the interesting thing though, right? I mean, so here we are, you know, how much business is Airbnb seeing right now? And they've gone public and the, the market cap has just gone utterly parabolic in 24 hours. Well, this so, is perhaps my point as to why the valuations are just ridiculous. Well, well, how do you mean? So, for example, so if uh, if we enter a depression, uh, and you know, many people would argue by certain economic metrics, we've uh, we've suddenly hit that kind of those kind of levels. Um, you know, and yeah, I would ask you now, and you know, who is buying? the i think it was iphone 16 or something i mean who is buying the who's buying this latest product i'm sure playing the mark by the way but if we do enter a depression um you know it, it not seeing business not getting money in not getting positive cash flow not getting profit not delivering profit to shareholders is clearly not something that the market seems to care about when it comes to major tech companies. Mm. Uh, so in a depression, why does Apple not get a bid? Like, right, they've you know, still got 
Lord knows how many billions in cash just sitting around. Why does Apple not get a bid? Because Airbnb is getting a bid and they can't be having great business right now. But business is not flourishing for Airbnb right now. Uh, the markets are forward looking, so maybe they're expecting next year. But just in terms of where they are currently, uh, you know, just the fact that they're IPOing right now is, is see, appeal, seems very strange to me, right? The, the, very, the decision to make the move to IPO right now is cl has clearly been a great decision. You know, the, the stock's doubled. <laughs> like, this is the, the best possible scenario for somebody who wanted to IPO. And yet, you know, when you, when you look at where we are and you look at you know, the, the prospects for Airbnb and how their business has been over this last year, you know, this is, you know, this is, this is agony times, right? This is not a great time for Airbnb as a business compared to its more recent history. And yet they've decided to IPO here. So it was clearly a great decision. And yet on the face of it, you would think, well, is this really a great time to IPO? Business isn't really booming. You know, what, what is the, uh, what, what is the appeal? So why does Apple not get a bid? If Airbnb does get a gigantic bid on this on the back of this environment, why does Apple necessarily not get a bid in a depression environment? Because you know these these rules don't really seem to apply anymore. Yeah, maybe that's maybe that's that's the dichotomy that we need to get our head around a bit more. That some of us, I say, more traditional financial folk, but I mean like between you and me, I, 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 I struggle to think that we fall into the, the catch of catch all of traditional finance. But I mean, that's certainly the education we've had is in traditional finance. So that's sort of the rules that we talk about that we know that we, that, that, that are being broken effectively all over the place uh, in the last couple of years. And particularly this year now, maybe these rules uh, need to be rewritten. Uh, maybe we are, maybe we, the, maybe the market, maybe the idea of fundamentals is a piece of shit and the fundamental analysis is meaningless. Now it's just about brand. It's about name. It's about hype and it's about how you can get in and out of a market uh, with a gain and, and everything else just doesn't matter at all anymore. I, I this kind of talk, right? That, like <laughs> this, you know, just this, the statements like that, they, they can't, I personally don't feel they can, they can sustain themselves. They just, I understand entirely. I mean, you're, you're effectively just repeating myself back to me in, 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 you know, in a different sort of format. But, you know, just us discussing this as we have, I, it's so, I, I can't, I can't hold on to it. It's not, I struggle to as well, I might add. <laughs> like this, this, well, I mean, and you know, for, for all intents and purposes, this, can, this may well continue for years, right? I mean, yeah. Airbnb, maybe it'll get a trillion dollar valuation. Who knows, right? Um, and it can sustain itself for as, you know, for as long as it will. But the idea that this is simply a new state of affairs, which we all have to go accustomed to, because I mean, what are we really talking about here? It's effectively just buy every tech stock. Okay, like as long as there, so long as there is a way in which you can imagine a future in which this company does better, then you should buy the company, right? I mean, what yeah. like where is there any rejection ever for any company provided they work in tech? 
I mean, like, where it does not, it is just buy, buy the tech, buy the IPO, buy the tech. Buy the idea, buy the idea. That seems to be how you make money in the market at the moment is buy the idea. Well, okay. Okay. Or, or we can be the, the cynical types and say, my money is going to be devalued. Yeah. You know, for as long as the central bank can manage it, if I don't buy this tech stock effectively, right? So this business that is IPOing is going to, is going to become a reserve asset uh, against which central banks will devalue your money. So you need to buy it just in order to preserve your purchasing power. I mean, that I can kind of stomach it like that, but it's, you know, it's, it's a similarly, <laughs> almost a psychedelic idea, right? I, I, I have no hesitation in saying that the reason that we've seen the market do what it's done over the last 12 years is the response to central banks. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have any problem with doing it anyway, but I, I, I wonder to what degree the, um, that central bank backstop has been. To me, that it's almost like... Well, sure, surely doesn't this, doesn't this just continue on? As as it is now, at, until central banks stop their loose monetary policy. Well, this is the quadrillion dollar question, <laughs> right? But it comes to the it, it comes back to, to my eyes at least, to what degree um, is the central bank influencing behavior? Uh, and this becomes almost like a psychology or philosophy thing. I mean, but it, it comes back to how much belief, you know, how much um, conviction um, in central banks to do what they do, how much, you know, how much behavior is actually being driven on? Well, how much, how many, how many times have an investor, has an investor excused their actions by saying the Fed is going to save me? Nothing's going to go wrong because the Fed's going to be there. Nothing's going wrong because the ECB is going to be there. It doesn't really work for European stocks. Nothing's going to go wrong because the Bank of England's there. Doesn't really work for UK stocks. Um, you know, nothing's going to go wrong because the Bank of Japan's there. Doesn't really work for Nikkei. Uh, you know, for the Nikkei. You know, for Japanese stocks. You know, it, it comes back to how much are central banks influencing this? To me, the longer I sort of stay with this, it just becomes this sort of lingering thing in the background that is perpetually aware. Like everyone's kind of aware of the central banks. I mean, there's no, well, no major investor is not. Everyone is saying, yeah, they'll do what it, whatever it takes effectively. Mario Draghi's great phrase, which uh, um, you know, is now just gone on steroids uh, and which other central bankers like try to mimic. Like they're trying to become the celebrities, the pop stars, the rock stars. Uh, with their own catchphrases, and none of them are, you know, they're not, they're not being quite as successful. But it comes back to how, how much are investors really relying on that as an excuse to buy? Like, how often is it that there's no excuse for buying a stock except that central banks are going to save me? And well, what about what about the idea that? So let let me put it put it this way, perhaps if what if if Airbnb had priced their IPO today at $25, do you think that the stock price would still be at 150 in the day's trading? Or would yeah, it be, that's a good question. So you said it was 65 to begin with, right? 
Yeah, it was, it was 60, high 60s, I think. If okay. The reason that it was priced so high was the banks bringing it to the IPO and their necessity to make money from it. And then the hype behind it just pushed that price up and up and up. And then, you know, it's not the first time we've seen IPOs do 100% in a day. It's the first time we've really seen IPOs do 100% in a day and carry a $100 billion market cap from it. But if they'd, if they'd halved, the, halved it all and, and Airbnb's valuation had popped to about $50 billion today, that'd still be a wild IPO. But at the same time, it's almost a little bit easier to stomach uh, that they've gone from a $25 billion valuation to a 50 as opposed to l- launching at a 50 odd billion dollar valuation and going to well over a hundred. And I think that the reason that, uh, of that is, is, is that the necessity for banks to, to have to make money on the deal in order, because they've been coming into these raising rounds and, and a lot of the equity raising before these IPOs uh, at excessive prices that have been probably a, a, a byproduct of uh, what central banks have been doing. And then, uh, then they have to push these IPOs up so that retail holders, retail investors, again, I hate that term, but the everyday investor is coming in at, to Airbnb at a price like this because they've got no other choice. They can't buy it at 25 or 50 bucks. They have to buy it at that price if they want Airbnb stock. And because there's so much excitement and hype around it, the, the, the banks are free to push these IPOs right up um, on, on IPO day. Uh, and, and, and it's just then it's the, the average investor that's left holding the, holding the can, effectively holding their bag. Mm. Yeah. It's a, yeah, I mean, it becomes sort of a, quite cynical at that point, right? I mean, it becomes. Um, I'm very cynical of, of the banks and, <laughs> and hedge funds and all the, the, all the early investors that the average investor doesn't get near a lot of these kind of, Facebook, Airbnb, Uber, average investor gets nowhere near that before IPO day. Yeah. The, the usual suspects <laughs> would probably be a yes, good term man. for it. It is. I the think usual suspects. Thing, the thing is right. So um, I was, while, well, uh, you know, just when I was, I knew Airbnb was gonna IPO. I, I was not following the uh, the more recent news. I didn't even know it was it was occurring so soon, actually, because um, uh, I, w- I wasn't staying abreast of it. But I knew it was coming up uh, when I was in in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, and while staying at an Airbnb, and uh, I was like, you know, this is you know Airbnb. They're doing a pretty good pretty good job here. So you know, it seems like uh, the company has, has delivered a you know, good app, a good service, etc. So you know, where the money is coming from, uh, you know, how this has been funded, uh, is likely a product of both private equity, VC, uh, and the corporate bond market, right? So that you know, that's how this is all being financed. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether or not at the IPO, this does really well. So I was sort of hesitant, like, well, you know, this does seem like quite a company. It's been a while since we had like a really big tech IPO. Maybe now it'll, 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 do, it'll do well. But I was really on the fence with it because at the same time, like I said, went with Uber. And we had this phenomenon, which was, um, I think it was, uh, there was, a, it was a, an opinion piece in Bloomberg, which I thought uh, summed it up quite well, where it was describing IPO as no longer the initial public offering, but instead, it was like the last, it was like the, it was the, the means in which, the vehicle by which uh, early investors 
both the founders, but mostly the private equity guys and just the early private investors in the company. This was the exit vehicle for them to get out. Yeah. Having cashed in a very large profit because they got in so early. And the proliferation of private equity funds, the vast amount of capital that they now arm themselves with, and the ease with which they can get in early uh, on, a, uh, on a budding business, uh, lends itself much more to IPOs being less like a, a, a means in which the everyman can profit and more as a means by which the early investors can uh, sell their bags at a great, uh, at a great profit. And, and that, that really sort of uh, explains some of that performance for the likes of Uber, which, as you said, has managed to rally this year. Uh, and yet, uh, you know, the, around the IPO date, uh, you know, it did not deliver on that. So I was sort of hesitant with Airbnb because, you know, if, if all IPOs are now, to some degree, you know, obviously Saudi Aramco didn't need it. But when it comes to the, the unicorns or the leprechauns, mm-hmm. as, we, as we describe them, you know, when they get to IPO, if all they are is a means by which the early investors sell their bags, buy a bottle of champagne, and can now cash in a profit. They can now realize a profit for hard physical cash. You know, why is an IPO a bullish event anymore, right? Why is this even a, even a triumph for the everyman anymore? I mean, the whole idea of having a healthy stock exchange and a good stock market. We, it was, it, this is uh, a, you know bedrock of any capitalist economy because it allows anyone who has managed to save capital in order to invest capital to somebody who doesn't have it, who needs it, uh, and then can then use that to build a business. You know what? You know it, this this uh, mechanism by which this has been corrupted or co-opted to become a vehicle for selling your shares rather than allowing allowing a company to raise capital. Uh, you know this. This you know it completely flips the concept of an IPO as being a bullish event, and rather is a uh, you know it's the uh, you know it's a bearish event ultimately. It's a, it's like the the consummation of uh, of the business rather than you know the the blossoming of the business. And so I, you know I was I I was like well I I like the the company they're obviously doing a pretty good job, but at the same time. If all IPOs are now is just how to how to cash out if you're an insider, this isn't necessarily a very like a, a a bullish event because you know all share if you know the share shares no longer seem to have this uh, they no longer seem to be connected at the hip to the businesses anymore right they're not trading in line with expectations of the share so much as they are the dynamics of selling shares and buying shares. You know, selling shares from insiders and buying shares from passive investors and things like that. Uh, and yet, you know, Airbnb, it, it seems to flip this idea again on its head mm-hmm. where it's no longer a bearish thing anymore, right? Uh, Uber is now, you know, as you say, 50% up, right? Uh, Airbnb is utterly flying off this, right? Yeah. I mean, look, I, to, 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 to sum up how, how I would view Airbnb right now is... Let's let's assume Airbnb was a boring infrastructure company traded on the London Stock Exchange. And today they put out an announcement 
that said they have just cut 25% of their workforce and divested from non-core businesses. Now, let's assume they did that as a, as a boring enlisted infrastructure stock. What would you anticipate would happen to that stock on the day of that announcement? And I'll answer that rhetorical question for you. Uh, it, would get, it would get fucking hammered. Um, that's exactly what Airbnb have done this year. And they are now a 100 and something billion dollar company with an IPO up over 115% for the day. I think that kind of sums up the ludicrousness of, uh, of, of where stocks like it are at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, and this guy, this goes back to my question again, Sam with like, so we enter a depression. How does Apple stock go down? Because they could act Lord knows how many of their workforce. And uh, if these conditions sustain themselves, then, you know, who knows what happens to the stock? It would appear um, that a depression is probably the most bullish event for stocks like Tesla, uh, Apple, Airbnb, all the fangs and the mafias and the, the whatever you want to call them. Uh, if it, investors should look for a depression uh, because that will be a very bullish event for these stocks. I say in jest, just in case anyone took me seriously there. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, this is, this is the kind of conundrum that we're at where you get, uh, you know, these kind of, um, you know, just a, what, what a, what a time to be alive when, uh, you know, a company that is axing so much of its workforce um, and at, at, during a period where international travel has been hugely heavily hit is getting such an incredible IPO. Uh, but, you know, here we are. Now, Sam... Uh, Sorry, should... could I just add one more thing on this? And this okay. is something that one I more. can't quite understand. This happens in the, in the, a lot in the UK. And I've just seen on the Evening Standard business section a headline where it says six reasons why the Airbnb float isn't as crazy as it seems. The stock <laughs> is still worth the risk. Oh, well, uh, thank you very much for that evening standard. Um, did, uh, did they say who, who wrote the article? Yeah, some bloke called Jim Armitage. Granted, well, this, was two day, this was two days ago, and he probably wasn't expecting the valuation of $42 billion to be over $100 billion. But the Well, fact he was clearly he, right. I mean, this, he was, he's this, is, guy, yeah. this guy's a prophet. I mean, this guy's he, an oracle. He's, he's, he's a fortune teller. <laughs> we, should, we should listen to all his stuff. We should take all his stock tips, right? I mean, this is the, this the is actual I mean about the mainstream media hyping up a lot of these, these big IPOs. They just make them even bigger. Uh, but Sam, Sam, what are the reasons he gives? I want to know. Uh, uh, cities will not ban Airbnb. The company's profit performance is picking up, albeit the third quarter profit they made uh, somehow was during lockdowns. Uh, I, I'm yet to pick apart the uh, cost-cutting process that they've gone through uh, and when they laid off their staff uh, and also when they divested from non-core businesses. I've got a sneaky suspicion that that might have a little bit to do with their third quarter profits, considering they made half a billion dollar loss in the quarter earlier this year. Um, what else does he say? Uh, the valuation is not far above hotel booking sites. Um, and the COVID impact, COVID impact on holiday travel will be short-lived. Uh, and it will cover quicker than hotels from the COVID effect. Uh, they're the well, who knows, man? Like maybe, maybe he's right. You know, markets are forward-looking, 
And the lower interest rates go, the more forward-looking they ultimately become when it comes to you know hoping for a, for a future recovery, at least when it comes to to, st- to tech stocks, uh, not so much for uh, for more you know infrastructure-based businesses. But uh, but Sam, as I was saying, um, we have not dwelled much on beer at all this episode. Actually, yeah. what you, what was your rating for your first beer? Oh uh, yes, yeah, so I quite enjoyed the Siren Soundwave uh, IPA. I I would add that to my um, uh, I'll add my little asterisk next next to that and say that that would be something I would probably get in multiple quantities. Um, yeah, had a had a very nice. Was quite refreshing, quite easy to drink. It wasn't overly heavy. Um, had that really nice IPA kind of, and I call it sort of fruity taste, um, but certainly full of of, of flavour which I quite like with the sort of not quite as strong ones. I'd give that a, a B plus actually. I'm quite happy with that. Yeah. So for those listening, actually, uh, Soundwave by Siren is one of Siren's core beers. So it's one that they, they make in perpetuity. Uh, and as a result is, uh, is, very, is very often available. More recently available in can form, in fact, which is a testament to the success of that beer. So if you're interested, you will be able to buy quite a few of those. Uh, those who are listening, who um, who have uh, listened to some of our uh, previous podcasts, may recall my favourite beer is by Siren. That's one of the reasons why I have uh, my, such a uh, such a, a a close consumption <laughs> with the company. Uh, uh, they made Uncle Zester, which is my favourite beer. Sadly, they don't make it too often, but uh, it is a winner. I would, uh, yeah, I think that's a, a very fair rating. I think we agree on that uh, when it comes to beer rating. So, the second beer that I'm on, of course, I, I'm not rating. Uh, QE, but I'm actually on another one um, by Anarchy Brew, which is called Hit the Juice IPA, uh, and this is a six percent uh, IPA. Uh, it does contain lactose, uh, and normally I hate lactose in beer, but so far I've not really been able to taste uh, sort of the the impact on it, which is quite uh, oh yeah, which is is very good for me because I utterly loathe generally lactose based beers. Uh, and this one uh, by Anarchy Brew, um, with a I think it's a 440 mil can, and um, yeah, it's pretty good, I must say. Uh, Anarchy Brew Co., which is in Newcastle, actually. I'm not sure if it says if it's vegan friendly, which of course we have. Well, obviously not because it's got lactose, but it didn't say if it's vegetarian friendly, actually. Um, which is of course incredibly important. Um, but yeah, this is this is pretty good so far. I think I I think I would rate this. Let's see. I think I would rate this. I think I'd give this an A plus. An A plus. That'd be mine. Well, are you on a second one, Sam? I have. I've uh, drunk the uh, what is it called? The uh, apocalyptic thunder juice from Amundsen Brewery, uh, which oh, yeah. also contains lactose. I've not had this before. This is six point five percent New England IPA. Um, I wasn't actually getting that much. Uh, I mean, it says apocalyptic thunder juice. I, I kind of, the way that the label is, is that the can is printed with, you know, totems and, and bright orange and red colors. I kind of thought it would probably come in a little bit of a tropical style uh, flavor, but that's not quite what I got from it at all. Um, yeah. It's, Amundsen uh, I Brewery. Think, yeah. Uh, I think it's probably one they do in quant- quite, quite large quantities as well. Um, it was enjoyable, uh, but not as enjoyable as the sound wave. I started with the good one, thankfully. 
Um, yeah, I'm not quite sure how to describe it. Uh, it's definitely a lot stronger and, and, a, and a cloudy uh, New England IPA. I think I'd probably just give this one uh, an A plus for me. Hmm. Yeah, Amundsen Brewery is uh, very keen on doing Uber um, Uber exotic designs on their cans. I think they get the same artists to do them all, and they're uh, they're always very eye catching. Um, but now I'm uh, a plus. A plus is still a good still a, a good still good rating. Good rating. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Sam, we have been getting on for quite a while. Do we have mm. any uh, closing uh, topics? Any closing uh, discussions you'd like to fit in at the end? Uh no, no, I'm just, I'm just still, I, 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 I asked, a, I put a question out on my, my Twitter account. I would love to hear from anyone that has bought Airbnb stock at $150. I won't hold it against you. I will have no preconceived ideas or judgments of you as a person or an investor. I just genuinely would love to hear uh, someone's rationale for buying Airbnb stock at $150. I want to know and learn and maybe maybe i can be convinced that 150 dollars for airbnb stock is a is a pretty good price i would love to be convinced that that it's worth that much and i if anyone's bought it i'd love to know why i, I really would in, in all sincereness hmm. i mean if we if we carry on from our uh, from our earlier topic i guess if the the next qe program would just be another reason to buy buy the stock. <laughs> but, hey, if, if that's someone's argument, that's cool. <laughs> well, that works as well. But yeah, uh, I think we should tie this up on here. But it is, you know, number 25. We have reached quite a milestone here for the Triple B podcast. Triple B rated. Um, yeah, I think we shall close it for the moment. And we shall be back again next week. Uh, I hope if, you are, uh, if you're listening to this, you're, uh, you're enjoying a nice beer of your own. And uh, enjoying, uh, you know, be it a lockdown, total freedom, or self-isolation, whichever way uh, you're experiencing the Wu flu crisis. And we shall be back again next week. So we'll see you then.